0: Prater BT's Esoteric Nerd Podcast, Episode 75. Today, Joe Shantz and Matt Mortar and I will be interviewing Adam Yasmin. Those of you who've been paying attention for a long time will remember him as the gentleman at the end of the Heart of Gaia video, Pouring the Tea. Those of you listening to the whole Pymander... Remember that from the previous episode. Those of you who don't know what I'm referring to when I say the whole PyMander might be getting curious. Just this week, Adam began live streaming recitals of Hafiz <laughs> poetry. I
1: fill in the blank. That camel your soul rented from the barn? You might as well get on good terms with it, seeing you are out in the wilderness traveling. Sometimes I become my own pulse. Enter that world inside. There I have stayed a night, marveling at the firmament. Yes, inside any living thing are stars. All that the eye sees is just practice for perfecting the inner vision. I can't speak any more of poverty of heart or purse, for wherever I now stand, a gold mine appears. How did things change for me, so much for the better? I held God to his word when he said, Seek, and you will. You say that last word for me. You must know that famous phrase. Believe it, dear, for it is so very true.
0: We're also celebrating Mercury Retrograde today. That will make more sense in a couple of minutes. But for now, let's bring in our co-hosts, Joe Shanz and Matt Moore.
1: Hello.
0: Hello. How have you been?
2: Good. How about you?
0: I'm good. I just deleted a bunch of large files off the computer, so I'm hoping that'll help. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's been obnoxious. I, I did a, a, a to be a yogi interview and then we had Matt Mortar's previous interview that didn't get recorded. So uh-huh. yeah, it's this iFree Skype recorder. I, I, I think I need to upgrade my whole, you know, my whole getup eventually and yeah. how I'm doing this. But oh well. well,
2: you know, with with all the corporate sponsorships that you're getting, like yeah. it should be like really easy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been fun. So, you were in the UK? Uh,
2: yeah, I was there for a family wedding, so that was fun. Nice. It was good to get out of the humidity. It's been really like, just disgusting in uh, in New York. Um, it's gotten better, though, this week. It's been really nice, but it was um, <clears throat> just really good weather there. It's really, you know, so I, I can't complain.
0: Very cool. <clears throat> Did you see any of the sights?
2: You know, I've been to uh, to London a lot before because uh, I've got family there and everything. So I've kind of done a lot of the sites. So I kind of do um, more towny kinds of things. So it's more just sort of like walking around and um, just sort of enjoying the, you know, the energy of the city, you know.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's kind of how JD and I roll. Like even when we were in Japan, we didn't... You know, we we had our touristy things here and there, but most of what we did was just kind of walk around and look
2: at shops. Yeah, I really want to see Japan. Yeah, I just, Tokyo. Just all the, I just want to see like all the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's not all how they live. I think that that for the you know, I was reading a lot about Japan, and I think for the most part they live, you know, relatively like normal human lives, but. Um, I do really enjoy the really freaky, weird stuff. So I want to see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It seems like there's at least three Japans. There's, um, the Osaka kind of the old school Japan that used to be the big powerhouse before the industrial revolution. And then now they're kind of like keep trying to keep up, but it's a little rough and there's graffiti and there's bad neighborhoods and interesting stuff. And, um, then there's Kyoto, which you know it's like from from Osaka's point of view, Kyoto is very snobby and looks down their nose at Osaka. And, uh, and then when we were in Kyoto, they were all saying, "Oh, Osaka! Oh, they're dirty and impolite." And, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but Kyoto's just perfect. Everything you know this is, everything is designed. It was like the the capital they built on purpose, as opposed to the one that just happened, you know, in Osaka. And then, of course, Tokyo East Capital. I, I didn't realize Kyoto and Tokyo are the same two words, just reversed. So there's, uh, but one means capital city, and the other means East Capital.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting. Cool. So, and then Tokyo, Great. Tokyo is just off the off the hook.
2: <laughs> yeah, I really want to see like the like the cosplay cafes and stuff like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, yeah, Harajuku is a lot of fun. Uh, Takeshita Dori, it's kind of funny because it looks like it says Take a Shit-A-Dori nice. <laughs> or it, it says Take a Shit or t- t- uh, T-A-K-E-A-S-H-I-T-A or or I might be misspelling it but it's, I, I just couldn't I was just giggling when I saw it and everybody was looking at me like what's wrong with you? It's Takeshita Dori, it's famous and I'm like, oh, okay, never mind.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, the other thing too I want to buy like some really offensive t-shirts where, you know, like you see on like English dot com, where where people are like little kids are walking around and you know with t shirts that say "fuck you eat shit." Yeah, kidding, you know they don't know what it means. They're yeah,
0: like, <laughs> yeah. I guess there's a little bit of like you know they've realized that that's funny, so they're doing it on purpose, or even yeah. even having native English speakers like do it for them. Like, what would be a really funny English sounding way to you know say that?
2: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it's hilarious. So, <laughs> how have you been? What, what have you been? You've been up to?
0: Well, let's see. We just got back from Las Vegas. Uh, Janie graduated from cosmetology school. That's I know. That's awesome. Setup.
2: Congrats to her.
0: Yeah. So so we've been kind of in celebration mode for about the past week.
2: So, oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So she's going to start uh, feeling out for where she, what her next step is going to be and then and then I'm gonna start really focusing on building up my yoga thing because I've kind of, you know, I mean, I've been putting it on hold and kind of doing my own practice, and then pay, dropping her off at school, picking her up, and kind of having lunch with her. So I've, you know, that's kind of been my routine. Even even though I wasn't really working a lot, I was like kind of just. Facilitating cosmetology school going as smoothly as possible, which was good. She was like the president of the of the uh, cosmetology group that they established and stuff like that. And oh, cool! Yeah, it did really well. I guess going back to school after a few years kind of gives you an edge, just because you're not 19, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny one? I used to do I used to teach a couple of classes uh, for University of Phoenix online. And I was always really impressed with, like, particularly, like, the older students who just had more life experience behind them. And, I mean, they were always, you know, way more serious about things. Um, Yeah. They were really super hardworking and and were really smart.
0: Yeah, because they spent spent a few years noticing that the people with the degrees always got the job before they did, even though they maybe were at the company for 10 years. Yeah. Not, Not speaking from personal experience or anything, but, you know that—that oh, that was my personal experience. At SAG, was training all the people who would then just pass me right up, <laughs> like um, and then they would all come to me and ask me how the company works. <laughs> right, <laughs> you're the manager, but you know. So, but anyhow, let's see if uh, Matt Mortar is ready to come on in. Hello, greetings, Frater. Welcome to the Esoterra Nerd Podcast.
3: Well, how are you doing today? Thank you very much for having me.
0: Hey, Matt. Hey,
3: Joe. How you doing pretty good just got off work short day that's good
0: nice
2: nice
3: how are you guys doing today
2: pretty good yeah, pretty good I mean the the weather's been nice and you know it's really super quiet at work right now so that's um that's really helpful um yeah I mean most people have really kind of checked it out it's like everyone's really kind of in this chilled vacation mode which is great yeah I feel that too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I like how we got this spanning the whole country thing going on.
2: Particularly during Merc- Mercury Retrograde. <laughs> it's it's better that people are like chilled out when that happens. So, yeah. You, know, you misunderstand someone, just have a beer. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got let's see, we're in New York, Oklahoma, and California in this conversation.
2: Oh yeah. Got to <laughs>
3: love the digital age. <laughs>
0: So we briefly um, now just for the people who are listening, um, uh, Matthew and I had had a, like a two-hour-long conversation about a week ago, and um, it got deleted. So there it is. Oh wait, so what's doing is it? That
2: you guys are going to be reading from a script for the the you know to read. Oh oh my the entire god! Entire two-hour conversation.
0: I just <laughs> it's just occurred to me that. Oh, my gosh. You remember that guy, Adam Yasmin, we were talking to? Uh-huh. He's the one we had an appointment with today. No way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's Mercury retrograde.
0: Well, may- maybe we can bring him in and we could all three yeah. talk to him. All
2: right. <laughs> All right. Let's do it.
0: Well, I haven't talked to him yet this morning. Um, so let me let me see what I can do here. Uh <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is silly.
3: That's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, this is going to be kind of a fun, like, blooper reel episode, I think. Cool, tomorrow. I was was like, uh,
3: I don't think you guys ever told me we were recording today. Oh, yeah. I'm good. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Sorry, I'm such a nerd. Sorry.
3: No, no, it's all good with me.
0: So Matthew is going to be second co-host on this one. That's awesome.
3: Second (laughs) co-host. I'm honored.
0: Well, because I think we covered most of the, the stuff you wanted to cover before, and it'd be silly to try to have the same conversation again.
3: Yeah, I well, was thinking about that. I thought we could make it more structured and yeah. on topic. We kind of <laughs> went off
2: Tangent City last time. You know, yeah. We, yeah, but we kind of like roll with tangents all the time. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. We get to structure, and then it kind of like all falls apart and kind of goes to really fun places. And then I keep, keep getting bleeped, so it's it, all good.
3: You got to see it get the creative chaos going.
0: Okay, let me just get 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 him on the line. Good Greetings, Fratter. Morning. Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Hi, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> hey, Adam. Hi. Adam, this is Joe Shantz and Matthew Mortar. Hello. Hi Matt. Hello, hello. And they're 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 my co-hosts for today. Uh, Joe Shantz is the usual co-host, and then due to, a, due to a Mercury retrograde issue, I thought that the interview was with Matthew today.
2: <laughs> awesome. Yes, wow. Well, it'd be kind of like a, a weird panel of sorts, but I think it'll be fun. Yeah, we're going good. with the flow here. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. That's all we can do.
0: <laughs> now, just uh, just a brief introduction. You and I met about 10 years ago when you performed a, a traditional Chinese tea ceremony for SOAR FSM and I.
1: I believe we did. That is true. I don't know if it was ten years ago. It was probably more in the
0: five like, or six Oh years yeah, ago. it was probably that's true. It wasn't yeah. two thousand six. It was when Occupy was going strong. Oh yeah, it was it was probably right. It was in April of two thousand eleven, is what it was. That's right. Yeah. Or no, it oh, wasn't going strong. It was building up. It was about to start going.
3: I remember going to Occupy meetings, fun stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you had learned that at a t at a tea house in, in San Francisco?
1: That's right. I um, yeah, I was exposed to that kind of tea culture at a tea house called Om Shanti, hmm. uh, in San Francisco. It existed a couple of years back. Um, and yeah, it became this, this, like a, uh, like a Mecca and, uh, you know, being, being an LA resident. And at the time I was uh, performing, uh, percussionist and I would go up to the Bay area and perform in different outfits, you know, with different musicians. And I was brought to this tea house um, for a performance and it just kind of stuck with me.
0: Nice. Yeah. What can you tell us about the tea ceremony?
1: Um, I just find it to be really civilized. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also find it to be, uh, something that is tangibly spiritual, um, for someone who's not really religious, um, or for someone who, you know, I've kind of always, I guess I've always questioned more than I've been a participant and that's probably because of how I was raised um how were you raised i was raised uh i guess i can call myself a secular jew
0: (laughs) okay yeah
1: um but pretty i mean it was everything seemed to be pretty laxed and um there really wasn't like a real emphasis on practice or i guess uh what's the word here
2: Religion. Really, I don't know,
1: really like, get, get, you know, really get having that relationship to, to I don't know, somewhere, you know, the, the cross section of like heritage, tradition, um, you know, family roots, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically at the tea house and, and just what turned into a practice really kind of sprouted into a whole lifestyle that's... Um, it's how I, it's how I met people. You know, tea became my social lubricant. Yeah. So. Yeah, the rest is
2: kind of history after that. Do you uh, do you think do you kind of think of it as spiritual because of all the sort of the intricate steps involved in the the work, so it becomes more like almost a, a, a like a high magic ritual kind of thing. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I could we could say it that way. I mean, in a way. It absolutely is magical. I mean, for me, for me, tea does three things. Uh, it connects me to myself. So it's like a grounded practice. Um, it connects me to nature. And it connects me to people. Um, and I don't, I don't like practice it in this like very like, sort of like regimented like everyday make prostrations you know like or chant or that kind of thing um, but it's a relationship you know and it has sort of high tides and low tides and um, it's uh, just really fascinating you know just just it as a as a facet of life or how I'm incorporating it into you know so-called modern life yeah.
3: So, what is a tea ceremony?
1: Well, this particular tea ceremony, um, actually, you know what? That's a really good question. Let's answer that question first and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> what is a tea ceremony? Well, <clears throat> I think it's, I would say that it's deliberately carving out time and space to just do one thing, which is prepare tea in a mindful state and imbibe and, and doing it in a place that is comfortable and calm. And you're not sort of like on a clock or something. And, um, yeah, that's like a really simple way of, of the um, opposite of fast food, right? The opposite of fast. It's a very, yeah, it's a very slow food kind of, kind of thing. And then I realized only funny enough, I realized that there is like, a quote, slow food movement, you know, that's, that is, (laughs) you know, comprised of like foodies, chefs, farmers, um, Yogis are into that. Yogis, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, it
3: it sounds like it's a bit alchemical in a way.
1: Mm. Oh, it really is. I, I absolutely.
0: Um, Probably at the essence and the, and the start of alchemy, I would imagine. I mean, because the, the, the true, uh, what's the word, the athenor, when they would ask the medieval alchemists, what is the athenor? And they'd describe, you know, a self-sustaining furnace that, you know, and they basically, they're saying the body.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's actually a really great way of, of saying that because um, I have a friend who is like a tea mentor um, who's based in Taiwan. He's an expat who's based in Taiwan and has a tea center and he's been there for i think two decades or more and he i did a workshop with him like here in LA about maybe 3 or 4 years ago mm-hmm. and one of the things that really stuck with me that he he said to the group the workshop was um some you know you have to realize that while you might be thinking that you are having a tea experience like you are maybe you've sought out a really special tea at a certain price that's from a certain year and a certain, um, has a certain terroir and you're, you've, you have it in your home with you and you're using a certain pot and you're using a certain type of water and maybe it's a certain time of year and that kind of thing. While you think you're having a tea experience, you have to stop and think that maybe tea is having a human experience. Hmm. You know? Um, and he's really, he is really rich with a lot of, of tea history. And the more I read about the history of tea, especially from that, you know, from, from, from its roots, you know, from China and it, it being a several thousand year old has a several thousand year old history. I'm, I'd say two plus, you know, um, it's really, really fascinating, especially just well, you know, in, in modern times. I mean, the story of tea is a story of modern globalization. That's true. Modern trade.
2: I, you, you know, it's interesting. I, I sort of think that, that the whole process just kind of may, you know, like really gets you in your body, and it really like makes you very aware of the moment because as you're kind of like if you're – as I've seen it because I don't know anything about tea ceremonies other than, other than what I've seen publicly – Um, you know, it just seems like you really have to be focused on where you are like right now. And even the the drinking and enjoying of it is just like, it's very mindful. Uh, But that's my impression. What what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely. In fact, I hope you don't (laughs) mind. Just to kind of stay grounded and and really here, I'm actually just going to be, I hope it's okay that there's like a slight soundtrack here
0: yeah and you're making I'm tea gonna be,
1: i'm gonna be pouring myself while we talk nice um yeah just to keep that going
3: hey you're probably hearing a flick of a lighter every once in a while
0: <laughs> everybody's got their thing everybody's got their <laughs>
1: thing to <imbibe>. um <laughs> no it really is it really is and and i don't know there are times when it i don't know it, 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 Sort of the modern mind kinda of pokes in and it's like, oh, it sounds all so cliched and, and you know right. about about talking talking about mindfulness, which when you talk about it, you're you're sort of taking yourself out of <laughs> the actual mindfulness. Of mindfulness. Um But I don't know, I suppose everybody has their you know, their way of, of getting there, you know, whether it's so-called tea ceremony or making breakfast or going on a walk or walking your dog or or changing a diaper or whatever Uh, I think it's all relatable if you can if you can if you can do it that way instead of like I know people who um, um, you know feeding their you know let's I've just become a father last summer congratulations and thank you um seeing other observing you know other other new parents out there you know in public or in a park or something and feeding their baby on a clock and like doing it really quickly because they're whatever rushed or mm. have to get on a phone call or something and and you know. they're teaching the baby right that this is, is how like, eating no, is I done to, uh, you know i have to do it really quickly and
0: yeah, what have you? grab a pop tart on the way out.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean not not to I'm not vilifying that. I'm just
0: I'm yeah. Just, I'm well, just it's, noticing. it's good to be aware of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. The the tea ceremony seems like a a kind of cure to that kind of thinking. Yeah, I
1: mean, I I. I guess I hesitate to call it like this, like a, like a cure. It can serve to be a cure. It can serve to be. I I mean, it's, it definitely is the way that I use it, use it, relate to it in my life. Because even now, like as a dad with a 13 month old, I am, I am, I am at home. The only place and time I can do it at home is like, if I'm in the kitchen with like the, the kitchen gates you know the <laughs> gates are closed so that you can't get in, and like the whole thing. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of I find it funny how 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 you relate to something for for a number of years, or maybe even for a, a lifetime, and how it changes with your changes with your life changes.
0: Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Now more recently. Um... I saw you now, what prompted me to, to ask you to come on was for one thing, I discovered that, well, I, I I was looking at that old video that I made where you did the tea ceremony at the end. And, uh, and I was thinking, Oh, I wonder what he's up to lately. I wonder if he's into like you know, that more so, or if he's into some other things now. And then I saw you as with a tiger face live streaming (laughs) Hafiz. And I was like, yes, Hafiz, (laughs) Sufi poetry. I mean that talk about mindful speech.
1: Yeah. That's a way you
0: can speak and be mindful at the same time for sure.
1: Yeah. I, um, here, the funny thing is, um, I just started doing that probably this, this week Mm -hmm. um, because uh, I guess for several, there's always, you know, I can always find like 20 reasons why to justify something, something like that, that is really, uh, there's no agenda, there's no strategy, there's no plan. It's just something that. It's like that thing where it's like, oh, I'd like to see that. So, I guess I'm just I, someone's got to do it. So yeah, do it. you know, people, um, you know, people live streaming, you know, using whatever Facebook Live or Periscope, you know, for for really. You know, for a lot of not-so-great reasons, but also, you know, for for altruistic reasons. Like, I find that I I turn to something like Periscope. I don't know if you're familiar with Periscope. No, not yet. Periscope is a live-streaming app that I I think is from Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, like, location-based live-streaming. And you can basically, like, look at a map of the globe and and zoom in on where you want to see where you want to see something that's being streamed. Um, you could watch something that's happening live and you can watch something that, um, was streamed within some time period, maybe in the last 24 hours or something. Yeah. Um, I find that something like Periscope, which is full of a lot of nonsense too, you know, and that's, that's about as judgmental as I'm going to get, <laughs> you know, with that. But, but then again, Periscope is something where I turn to when, um, like, the Paris attacks last November. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you know, like, the, the first, the, I realize, like, the first thing you can do is, like, go on a Periscope and see who's streaming, like, on the street right there. It's like that kind of, I'll, I'll seek that out, you know, using a tool like that. Yeah. What I find to be, like, totally selfless. And again, it's not an agenda it's not even necessarily politicized it's just people sh- people connecting with other people through being there in that moment and especially like in the in the sort of shock of an event like that yeah
0: um sharing their what they're seeing with their sharing eyes. what
1: they're seeing so that and and you know and and then people whoever's viewing can like type in messages so that the broadcaster can read and maybe answer questions. It's an interesting uh, tool and and definitely a concept that's sort of been expanded on, you know, especially also along with this Facebook Live. Yeah. Um, And I I just started doing it because, and this again brings me back to the tea house. Um, My experience of being at Om Shanti, being again, like a visitor from LA but spending, I could spend hours in this tea house and and at the time when it was operating it was open from i think noon to midnight and there were it was sort of a long, it was like a sort of a narrow space with like a bunch of tables on the sides and then at its heart was a tea bar where you know a maestro would basically just pour whatever he or she wanted Um, for five bucks a head for unlimited, unlimited tea. Yeah. And a lot of those times, you know, there would there you know, however many people would be sitting at the table, maybe three or eight people, maybe we could squeeze more and there would be, there could be one collective conversation. There could be 18 conversations between different people. And then there can be, you know, there's books lying around and we just whip up, whip open, some hafiz or a haiku or something just, just to share. And they also had like, you know, poetry nights and on like Tuesdays and things like that, where they'd have a lot of community nights. And it's that, it's that exposure to that kind of community engagement, whether it's structured like that, where there's a nightly event, you know, a reading or something, or that's something on the fly that, um, I don't know, it's just inspiring and uh what else was gonna say about that well, a, it, oh sorry Go yeah no please I, I feel like i'm ranting at the i
0: back. was just gonna i was just gonna ask um joe and matthew are you both familiar with hafiz
1: not
2: at all i mean i know about sufism but um you know and I, I was i think my next question was just sort of gonna be you know are you drawn to sufism and you know what, what about it uh draws you to that, or or Hafiz?
1: Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm particularly drawn
2: to Sufism.
1: Um, I feel like what draws me to, to I wouldn't even say a person like Hafiz, but at least just what he put out there. Um, uh, it's hard to say. It's really just the sort of gut feeling of how I I connect to the words or the concepts. I feel like there's a lot of sort of spirals happening. Um, Here, throughout I... his, his poems, there is a sort of, it, they get kind of meta. I like how he like throws himself in there. Yeah. As a third person kind of thing.
0: The great re- religions of the world are like great ships and the poets are like life rafts and all the ships are going down. That is good for business, isn't it, Hafiz? Right. <laughs> it's like one of his poems. Right. Hey, if you don't mind, um, I uh I pulled up. If God invited you to a party, I think that's a good a good kind of example, uh, and it's very short. You mind okay. if I read it real quick? Please. Okay. So this is Hafiz, and by the way, he lived between thirteen ten and thirteen thirty seven in Persia, now Iran. Um, okay. So here it goes. If God invited you to a party and said, everyone in the ballroom tonight will be my special guest, how would you then treat them when you arrived? Indeed, indeed. And I know there is no one in this world who is not upon his jeweled dance floor. (laughs)
3: That's beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah. Everything I've heard about Sufism it's generally you know piques my interest and sounds really positive but I just haven't really dug deeply into it yet
1: yeah
0: I got into Ibn Arabi a few years back um, because Uh I was interested in in um, the timing the time and place of course because in in the golden dawn tradition that hails to the Rosicrucian. There's that story of Christian Rosencruz, the young Dutch boy that wandered down into Damascus and was initiated there in some mysterious temple. So then that begs the question, well, what temple? And so I was reading a book, the history of the Arab peoples. And I was reading about how, uh, Ibn Arabi was the son of the great Sufi, the great, uh, Sheikh of his generation in Spain, what's now known as Spain. Um, At the time, of course, it was part of it was like the hippie farthest out California part of the Arabian Empire.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so he he basically traveled to Mecca, traveled a lot Mm -hmm. and uh, settled in Damascus and 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 ended up dying there. But he spent most of his years like as an older teacher character and writer in Damascus. Mm -hmm. And he wrote some famous um, kind of foundational Sufi texts, uh, the Meccan revelations and a few other things. And uh, so, of course, I, I and, and then the time the time and place. So he basically died 100 years before Christian Rosencruz was supposed to have arrived. And so I was just considering from the point of view of like, what if this was the temple that he first got initiated into? What would he have learned? And so I started reading the teachings of Ibn Arabi from that point of view. But Hafiz was a little bit later. Um, that, uh, basically, Ibn Arabi was famous for being the first – Famous Sufi not to get his head cut off, wow. and oh, and oh. he he did it by kind of pandering a little bit. He'd be like, "Okay, so there's the seven onion layers of the self, and it's all happening simultaneously." And someone would start to raise an eyebrow, and he'd be like, "For for uh, you know Muhammad and uh, you know the end times and uh, the Quran and yeah." Anyway, and then he like, <clears throat> so it was like that kind of thing. I mean, you know, I'm mean, cartooning it a little bit. It wasn't totally disrespectful, but. By by kind of sandwiching it in by by uh, by wrapping it in a little bit of dogma a little bit of you know the the religious veneer uh, he was able to get away with it and he had powerful friends in Damascus so the the combination of the two kept him from getting you know, his head yeah, cut off.
2: Those things always help. Yeah. That, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't well, know as wait. much
0: about Hafiz though as a as his life and and context and everything.
3: What I just sort of a Sufi text or authors would you recommend to start reading about them? Uh, about who? About a uh, just Sufi literature in general. R-
0: well, Rumi. It's it's mostly poetry.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Like a uh, Rumi, R U M I. He was yeah, I've a heard of him. he was a famous one. He basically the timing his timing was that the Crusades were happening, so you had like Jewish people. You know, people of Islamic faith and Christians, Orthodox Christians who were being slaughtered alongside everyone else by the Catholics at the time um, and uh, coming from from the from the West. And you had Buddhists and and Hindus and other people, you know, who were being driven out by Genghis Khan coming from the east. And so he was this again. Again, he was the son of an imam, Rumi. And so he had a big plot of land and he was kind of not exactly thought of as a religious you know, leader, but he was the son of a religious leader and he had, his dad was always mad at him for going off into the mountains and hanging out with the old Sufis when he was younger. And so basically he just said, Hey, you know what? Everybody's welcome on my property. It doesn't matter what faith you are because we're all one and let's dance, you know? (laughs) And he was, so he was always talking about the spiral, the Milky Way going across the sky and, and, and how it's one big dance and the earth is dancing and, you know, and so yeah, Rumi's great. And Hafiz really gets into it. He he gets into really the the heart, I think, the love of self and God, falling in love with God. Basically, like there's a couple point, points in the Bible where, you know, in the Songs of Solomon – They're talking about this, you know, in this roundabout way, there's a script, there's a choir singing, there's witnesses. It's a little awkward, you know, but it's like there's sort of poetry going back and forth between the bride and the bridegroom. And that's about as close as it gets in in the Bible to anything Sufi-like. But if you take the essence of the Songs of Solomon and then make it a little less Masonic and a little more you know, Burning Man, then you have oh. Sufism, I think. You know? And then I think oh, cool. we put ism on it just as a laziness. We just like to put ism on things, but, you know, I, I, I don't know if the Sufis, if we explained what ism meant, would agree that they're an ism. <laughs> Funny
2: case, yeah, it's kind like, like it's it, raw. I mean, in some respects, I mean, there, there's beautiful writings on it, but I think to your point, like, the, the actual experience of it, from what I've from what I've read is this more ecstatic, <clears throat> this ecstatic sort of experience that 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 is more of the, the dance. And you sort of see them, you know, twirling around, you know, the, the whole whirling dervish thing. It's it's really pretty.
0: Yeah. What else besides Hafiz and tea are you into?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious. Well, uh, I like cats. So nice. No.
0: Uh... <laughs> the Egyptian connection.
1: Uh, right. You got exactly. two awesome
3: cats right here. Nice. Yeah. yeah one is a, a Siamese and the other a Russian Blue.
0: Oh, I love Russian mm. Blue.
3: Oh, and it's a long-haired Russian Blue. Oh,
0: how and cute.
3: He acts yeah. just like a dog. He'll eat, like, anything. He loves bread. <laughs> just weird. Butter. He loves butter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun.
3: <laughs> and he's Robbie is his name. His name's is Robbie. Yeah, like Ravi Shankar.
1: Oh, cool! Oh, wow, Ravi. Okay. Wow. Nice. You can call him like Guruji and stuff. <laughs>
3: like... <laughs> and I think Zahara, the other guy, Zahara, means like a like a fresh wind or something like that in in, in Hindi or something like that.
0: Yeah. So that you remember the the Temple of Visions. I do. Are they still at it?
1: Uh, not in the physical sense. Okay. They, that was such a great gallery. Jimmy, was, Jimmy yeah. Blair. Yeah. Jimmy and Radhika um, were, yeah, they were really, I would call them trailblazers. Yeah, for sure. Um, Radhika is, I mean, as far as I know, they're both still working as as artists. I just yeah. don't know if it's cultivating, you know, that, that community space like the temple.
0: yeah. Yeah, that was such a great moment. It seemed like 2011 was, there was so much energy, you know, before they recruited 3,000 cops and drove everyone out like it was, you know, with Golden Dawn and Greece. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that kind of was disheartening for everyone, it seems. And we all just kind of went back to work. Yeah. But for a minute there, everybody was on DMT and protesting. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, $20. On
3: DMT and protesting
1: at the same <laughs> time? I
0: know, it was a weird combination. I <laughs> I don't know that, that they're...
1: difficult. I don't, I mean, don't know how I they managed, managed to do that. Yeah,
0: before. I think, well, I think it's like, um, you know, I should go protest, but I'm just going to go to work, but I'm going to smoke a little DMT, and then when you come down, you're like, I, my priorities are all fucked, I got to go protest. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And draw some psychedelic art <laughs> while I'm at it. There were people going in, and, 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 you know, as a citizen, you're supposed to have your your, your, your allotted audience time before your local Congress, you know, before the local uh, uh, government, and people would go in and just do yoga and uh-huh. just
2: standing at the microphone just start doing yoga.
0: <laughs> that was really interesting.
1: <laughs>
2: wow. yeah you know, it's it's kind of interesting, you know, looking back on, on that whole thing. It really was kind of a a really cool shakeup of, of sorts. And yeah, it didn't, I think that it didn't evolve um, maybe in ways that the people wanted it to. And, you know there was a lot of distortion that kind of came from it but i think that it provided enough ripples in the system um and this is just my i'm, I'm just bullshitting it yeah just, no i don't know anything sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but i think it just provided enough distortion in the system that that it, it kind of made people listen for for a second and made people kind of like you know look up from from their their world just you know even if it was just for a moment i think that that's significant yeah yeah. Well,
0: and when Bernie came around, it was all stuff we, we that sounded familiar from Occupy, like th- things that were maybe new concepts to a lot of people in occupy yeah we we're, we're getting them out of the house to go you know volunteer and and help support Bernie.
2: yeah, the whole Bernie thing is really interesting to me you know I'm, I think i'm pro- I'm maybe the oldest uh in in this group, um, but I got to tell you when I was a kid that the the idea the word socialism. Was so evil and it was so charged and oh my god, you yeah. would never like I mean I would probably have been disowned by my grandparents if I said <laughs> yeah I'm gonna you know I want to vote for a socialist guy <laughs> and and it kind of got like it kind of got acceptance so I think that, right. that it's it's interesting I know it, it you know as being someone younger it probably you know history kind of feels like oh my god we're we're just not going fast enough. But I think that there are interesting ways where you're like, you know, we, we, this is new territory and yeah, things kind of suck right now with, with, you know, a lot of the, you know, people's bad behavior kind of coming to the forefront. Um, but I I think that, that in other ways, I think that we're starting to evolve maybe.
0: Yeah. It's like the things bubbling thing, the, the stuff that was the, the burnt bottom of the the pot is is starting to come up to the surface. Like it's uh, it's ugly, you know. Yeah. We, we can see it where before they were in the '80s. It was it was ugly, but they made it sound like '80s music and look like neon and and Ronald Reagan and you know. It's just it's 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 oh. transparent now. It's you can see through it.
1: I mean, is it transparent because we're all paying attention more or is that because we have access to more information probably both yeah in the 80s it,
0: you, you'd fall into real small groups if you went too far fringe
3: right yeah the The internet definitely has a big role to play uh, were you guys talking about Occupy earlier yeah okay I couldn't catch exactly what you're talking about yeah um, my experience with that was yeah, I went to a couple meetings in OKC, Oklahoma City, and it was probably similar to the other places where there just wasn't a coherent vision. Right. And it just sort of fell apart, you know, um, like I remember just saying, you know, like I was like in the Fed and someone goes, no, central planning works. And I was like, OK, OK, OK. <laughs> huh. um, so yeah, it was it was just a real weird mix going on. And uh the Federal about,
0: Reserve or the
3: Yeah, Federal Reserve, mm. sorry. Yeah, and uh all I got to say about uh Bernie is he's the, you know, most respectful or, you know, politician I could respect the most out yeah. of any of them by a thousand miles.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad he's raised the bar on that
3: yeah i mean i'm not 'm not even a socialist, but you know I would vote for Bernie in a heartbeat <laughs>
0: I was listening to some Kennedy speeches though my, my buddy Chris O'Malley, that I grew up with, became a high school teacher and went to college and all that, so i'm like okay okay so he'll sometimes he'll sit, sit me down and explain things to me oh. and uh and you know, according to him, what Bernie calls socialism is socialized democracy yeah, yeah. and uh what what Kim jong un calls socialism is socialism um
3: authoritarian socialism
0: right yeah um but and then uh, what was the, there was another point shoot i missed I, it went out of my head maybe that was the only one but uh, yeah i mean it's like uh, the the z in nazi spells it stands for socialism uh, yeah
3: national socialist workers Party.
0: yeah and there's, everything that comes out there's of an also
3: narco- anarcho-socialism right but i would have no problem with
0: and anarcho-syndicalism I,
3: yeah as long as you're not you know making everyone else be a socialist by force you know have your socialist community and there's no problem with it
0: yeah Mm. yeah it's just that the billionaires sucking all the you know everything off the top and then consolidating all of that money it's like we have we're trying to force them to be on board and they really actively don't want to be on board and they're the ones with the power to make that choice or not
3: they say no we're holding on to the old system
0: but c- on
3: tight grip.
0: cynically, you know, when I when when Occupy was happening, you know, and people had, who had been through the '60s and everything, there was one person who said, "Oh yeah, they got to let people let off some steam a little bit, and then they'll come in and bring the the tight authoritarian thing again." And I and I you know cynically thinking about Bernie, I mean, not not that he himself was was motivated by anything negative, but I mean, it seems like the the overall system allowed that to happen so people could you know get involved and feel like, oh I'm a part of this and then and then get crushed again, you know.
1: Yeah.
3: Same it, with Ron Paul. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. At the both the conventions, you know, when Bernie and when Ron Paul were, you know, at the conventions for nomination the tactics used by the establishment were just horrendous, and you know, mm. just dirty, underhanded. Yeah,
0: same with, like same these days, but yeah,
3: it's it's awful.
0: But I mean, like tying it back into like the 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 original subject. I mean, the the individual and the group, the the problems of the world. And and then the tea ceremony and Hafiz, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, the solution.
3: Uh, well,
0: yeah, uh, or or at least a way to escape for a minute. But that could be very well part of a solution, an overall solution. Like if everybody would chill and have a tea ceremony or something once a day, then, you know, maybe things would be better.
3: Yeah, you don't awesome. really want to go to war if you're thinking about tea.
0: Yeah, or you're in present time or you're aware of the oneness of everything.
3: Yeah. If we're all brothers and sisters, that, that gets a little harder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when you're like a minute ago, um, coming out of, you know, Occupy and then really just how both parties are were gaming, gaming you know, the system. Uh, I've been rewatching. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy, Adam Curtis. No. Cool. He is a, he's a British documentarian um, who's put out a bunch of stuff like via the BBC in the last 15 years or more um, about all kinds of great stuff, especially um, post-war, what's it called? Man, I have to like... Really get my brain on right now. <laughs>
0: um,
1: basically, he 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 made a four part, like a four hour long documentary called "The Century of the Self." That
0: sounds familiar, but I don't think yeah, I've, I've seen heard it
1: that. yet. You heard of that. that? I haven't watched it either. Which is like how Freudian psychology and coming out of World War One spurred what this guy edward bernays oh his nephew Mm -hmm. that's right freud's nephew started the council on public relations because he was talked about this
0: last time really oh yeah but it didn't get recorded yeah but yeah (laughs) when he first did it he called it propaganda and then hitler used it same guy edward bernays and then he he changed it to public relations because the, the word propaganda had gotten a bad connotation because of hitler
1: yeah but this guy, I feel like, gave birth to pretty much what's going, like how we, how we exist now. As Bacon
0: a, for breakfast, ice in the water,
1: a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, you know, like advertising the, in general, like Mad Men, and all that stuff. Like it's just straight from from this guy, <laughs> from yeah. this guy, like. Um, yeah, you might I be mean, able to
3: say that he's the most influential person of the whole century.
1: Maybe. Yeah. I just, I just when you when I was hearing that, I, I just really it reminded me of of that that series. I mean, because it's it's pretty brutal. Um, and when you're talking about how Occupy, you know, sort of came on the scene and people started paying attention, you know, for these moments, but then it sort of got washed away by. I don't know, lack of a leader or lack of some like main voice, so to speak. And that's not a judgment. That's just, just,
2: yeah, no, I I think you're right on. I mean, I think that in, in some respects, you know, it's biggest strengths were also what absolutely forced it to kind of collapse in on itself. So it was like this really interesting sort of chaos bubble that kind of like kind of came in and, and disrupted things. But I remember, um, people even wondering, like the the news media wondered and Wall Street wondered and a lot of people wondered, Okay, well, is a is a leader going to emerge and are they going to have demands and are people kind of behind this? You know, will this be, you know, a specific movement? But I think that, you know, in a way you you couldn't have that. You just I think what was needed at that time was that weird, disruptive, chaotic movement to just sort of wake people up. And I think to that end, it kind of served its purpose. Um, it would be nice if we we had a more sustained sort of view on on you know, even things like like politics in in America. But you know, to, in order to work within the system, it it does require a lot more to go on. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's here's a great segue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> way back is that that's really you know if you if you take the modern perspective that's that's why I would do these things like portee at an event or in public or like read a poem because it, it it's whatever little thing not necessarily to quote ruffle your feathers but just to kind of
2: you know like i, know. I agree it's funny it's like it's delicate stop being things up. so angry and drink fucking tea and center them yeah damn yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah something off the norm off to the side something to shake people up and say this isn't normal but it's not threatening either
1: that's well, right it's very I mean, positive the funny, the funny thing is the only place right now and this is i mean we can probably do a study on this if we had the money and time but the only place that that tea ceremony is actually really sustaining and thriving is, is the festival circuit. Hmm. Burning Man. Really? Um, lightning and like these sort of West Coast festivals. Um, this is where like the sort of tea, the, real, the reality of, of tea ceremony in, in, a, in a communal sense is actually really thriving. Even in a place like Burning Man where it's the environment is entirely like non non-conducive for any, any, anything, uh, especially something as delicate as tea or as teaware um, they have like, as far as I know, and I'm clearly not there right now, um, like something like 13 camps that are just hosting a, a, a safe space, you know? And again, like maybe, maybe, maybe from this, this contextual standpoint um, um, it's something that is, is thriving, you know, in a place like Burning Man we're, we're so, you know, we are stoking free expression, you know, and, and right. all kinds of modes of self-expression and, and the ability of, uh, you know, whatever, a place to, to voyage. Um, there are, all, there are also a bunch of lily pads and safe spaces to ground out, drink something or whatever quote, have something nourishing and maybe like connect with a, make make a friend and that kind of thing. Like it's these like safe zones or like drug free zones as they would probably call it. Mm.
0: Yeah. How cool. Well, it's a big, you know, one step at a time and we're each it's, it's I make the mistake often of thinking, thinking I need to fix the whole world and and it gets to really be a heavy weight, and then I yeah, I, you I give up, should, right? <laughs> you
2: know. Well, you should, and and Ed, like we're waiting for you, and you know, <laughs> you're falling behind. Well,
1: that's actually, that's also how I my journey of of becoming a parent. I mean, even just to go back like years, like maybe in the last five years, not as I was quote planning to be a parent, but just. As you as you even try and begin to wrap your head around the concept, before you even know it and feel it and taste it and touch it, it's 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 there was this like kind of light switch moment where this this thought of like yeah oh, we need to like change the world or the world needs to be better before we bring people into it, like that's that is that is a pretty that's a pretty dire motivator. Um, motivator. But instead. It literally just this quick inversion of no, that's ridiculous. We need to bring better people to the world. Yeah. And that's how they'll change it. That was the beginning. That was, well, it's not even, they'll help. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It'll help. Like, it's not, it's not even so much about changing or saving, you know, like, I kind of, Mm -hmm. I I like the whole George Carlin approach to the whole thing. What was that? The whole George Carlin. I don't know if you've watched this. Mm -hmm. Or oh, watched
0: yeah. or heard. I, I remember his uh, this, the, the opening uh, Saturday Night Live where he brought a lot of concepts to, uh, to, to millions that hadn't really been openly discussed before Football represents something we are We are Europe Junior We play the Europe game What was the Europe game? Let's take their land away from them <laughs> Football is a ground acquisition game You knock the crap out of 11 guys and
3: take their land away from them <laughs> we only do it 10 yards at a time that's the way we did it with the indians little by little first down in ohio midwest to go
0: he was definitely the bill hicks of his generation
1: yeah <laughs> and even and even you know before he you know before he left he, he, he just has his bit yeah, on saving the world and, and yeah we need to save the planet that kind of thing like that.
0: The planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone and it will heal itself, it will cleanse itself, because that's what it does. It's a self-correcting system. The air and the water will recover, the Earth will be renewed, and if it's true that plastic is not degradable, well, the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm, the Earth plus plastic. (laughs) The Earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic, Plastic came out of the Earth. The Earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children. Could be the only reason the Earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. (laughs) Didn't know how to make it. It needed us.
2: Could be the answer to our age-old philosophical question, why are we here? Plastic. (laughs) Assholes.
1: It's just refreshing. Yeah. uh,
3: George Carlin is wonderful. He has so many good, good bits. Um, But I was going to say on the lines of, you know, what do we need to do to help the world and, you know, how to bring better people into the world. One theory I've heard that I really like is a peaceful parenting, Um, you know, basically raising kids without hitting them or yelling at them and, Always trying to negotiate with them and teach them how to, you know, critically think on their own and following, you know, those sort of guidelines. Yeah. I think we'll go a long ways yeah. to creating healthier people and societies.
1: Agreed. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sometimes I run into a situation. You know, one one of the reasons I don't like working for people is they'll lapse into their parent mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, my parents were a little more civilized than their parents. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. So you're coming at me with this father figure that I'm unfa- you know, I mean I'm familiar with from cartoons, but yeah. you know, like I, how am I gonna deal with it in you? I mean, so yeah, the way we relate to our kids is how they're gonna relate to people they consider to be under them.
2: Yeah.
0: If the yeah, conditions way.
2: for having children are that I have a full time staff of five. Um, and you know, that's not happening anytime soon. So (laughs) I'm just going to save the money and, you know, have some vodka instead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't have kids right now. So yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a a different perspective. I know that I would, a a lot of the things I do in a day, you know, or the way that I think would totally change if that were in my, in my situation.
3: Yeah. I've actually had a crazy situation with that in the past couple of years. Um, I have a, I have a five-year-old son, right. mm-hmm. and uh, he's, you know, he's awesome. And I found out about him about two years ago. Oh my god! He was three years old. Yeah, didn't even know I had a kid. Suddenly, you
0: have a three-year-old.
3: Wow. Yeah, and wow. uh, so I had to go through all the, you know, legal process and paperwork, and you know, do a paternity test and everything like that. But he looks exactly like me, oh, especially okay. now as he's gotten a little bit bigger. That's so okay. he's uh, in
0: your life now, or I mean, are you guys? I imagine yeah. separated from the mother.
3: Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not with the mother, but I was gonna say she married a guy who's in the army, and he got stationed in Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, so my son and her live in Germany okay. now. Okay, I got to know him for about nine months before, since I like really after I like took the paternity test and till he left. So I saw him a lot then, and got to know him. And uh, he's actually back in town right now for like oh, cool. another week longer, or so than nice. like a week or two. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a journey, and it's it's really been you know life changing and opened my eyes to so many new things. And pro- that's probably one of the reasons why I've started reading about these esoteric subjects cuz i just wanted to, you know, learn how to be more mindful about mm. things and how to, you know, control your emotions and various things like that.
1: Yeah, great
0: tools. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah i realized the yeah. other day i want to i want to be i want to be Cap, i want to be spock not captain kirk.
1: <laughs> that I'm
0: too Captain Kirk and not enough Spock.
1: <laughs> nice. I don't know. Yeah, I always feel like there's plenty of Kirk.
0: You know? Yeah, exactly right. And that was the '60s, so like you yeah. know, nobody puts him in the captain seat anymore. <laughs> Hopefully, right. we'll we'll see in November, I guess. Jesus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're all like kind of. well, I don't know. I guess that's sort of a sweeping statement, but <laughs> it's funny to think that in two months. Um is two months away. Yeah, we don't know what's gonna happen. That's true. it's true.
2: Oh man. Well, I I know for myself, I'm going to you know get, get a wormhole back to the, the the universe that doesn't have these possibilities because it's ridiculous. Like, through like some random wormhole, I'm in this place. It's bizarre. I need to go home. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was like there was some comedian Pat Oswalt that was pointing out we're in the alternate universe we're in the wacko universe where 9/11 happened and then Bush became president you know and, and now it's 2006 and I feel like we're still in that same parallel universe but now it's
3: become a wacky universe where it's kind of fun where it's like on our planet Arnold Schwarzenegger runs California torture is legal and spinach is poison <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's kind of like it's sort of like back to the future of physics you know it's like somehow there's an alternate reality that we're living in and that kind of thing but there's a lot of i mean there are great wormholes so to speak i mean i i guess to go back like 30 minutes the other things that i've been doing uh, other than <laughs> drinking tea and <laughs> I'm a these. Ten, <laughs> thing of these using a masquerade filter as a tiger face oh that's what that is okay yeah again super useful if you just you know is that on facebook well that's the thing facebook purchased masquerade oh and so now masquerade allows you to use a filter while they they port you through facebook live okay and okay. they have all yeah. kinds of filters that i pretty much am not interested in but it's yeah, <laughs> yeah i like the one you use though you the, I, mean, I, I
0: was going to use a frame for that as the Im- as the episode image <laughs> yeah i mean please
1: i i'm all about it i cool. you know i i kind of like that they're it, the more i sort of pursue these sort of selfless kind of silly side project things it's just these little ask these these give voice to these aspects mm-hmm. um the more I, I enjoy that they're sort of these like pseudo, they're not quite alter egos, but they're just, it's me, but it's a little bit different. Yeah. It's like the, the me that has gone out to the temple of visions and poured tea for a bunch of crazies Yeah, and like held it down in the corner, you know, like that was an alter ego. Yeah. Or a superhero or whatever. <laughs> um i've been i've been like i transitioned into you know a whole i guess what i consider an actual career <laughs> which is a career in design and mm-hmm. um, i'm i did this training last year in in user experience design which is this sort of growing and important aspect of you know app and website development and and product development as far as like a digital, uh, um, you know, for digital experiences. Um, It's basically human factors engineering for, for digital experiences. So it's, I mean, in a way it's almost like this interesting novelty where suddenly these brands, you know, like your Coca-Cola's and your Lexus's and what have you realize, Oh, you mean, we could be talking to our our users and asking them what they want and factor their wants and their and their their desires and their and the things that they don't like into our design into our like development process. Oh wow, that's great. Yeah. And so that's like a it's like it's a booming thing right now. It's it's kind of hip across the board in terms of whether you're a startup or you're an enterprise like Google or uh, an ad agency that makes, you know, digital experiences, you know, maybe there's an app that comes out for, as an ad campaign, you know, for a car or something. Um, yeah, I find it to be really, really fascinating. Um, it's kind of democratizing. Yeah, in a way, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, you know, the role of that designer is to be an advocate at every step for the end user. Um, and so you're leveraging market research, analytics, data, and you're interviewing these users um, to, to um, for, you know, through the design process, you know, to, to design solutions to, you know, creative problems. Nice. So it's again, it's like I found this thing that's like pretty egoless. Yeah. You know, because it's not like, oh, my idea is here's how you should Right. Here's what you're going to love. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it has nothing to do with, it. I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm an idea person as another, <laughs> as another alter ego. But as, as far as this role goes, it's, it's refreshing that it's really just, it's using, it's basically scaling this like, Somewhat like a scientific method type process to come up with solutions to problems. Nice. Within that industry. Um,
3: uh, I have a, a little, uh, I guess, concept you guys might find interesting. I'd mm-hmm. like to run by you, see what you think about it. Sure. Um, it's about in- intellectual property and mm. whether intellectual property can be called such truly, whether it can be, whether ideas can be owned. Yeah.
0: Well, legally, of course they can. Yeah. I but mean, but um, ethically
3: yeah, or but, morally. Uh, like, yeah, just from the philosophical sense, you know. Um, you know, like we own property because it's finite and it's, you know, uh, non-reproducible, like you can't duplicate matter you yeah. know, without reducing the first one. Um, but ideas and concepts, right. Are a totally sentence. Different. Yeah. You know, another person having it doesn't diminish your having it. Everyone can have it as much as they would like. And it doesn't take anything away from anyone and-
0: but at a certain point it's a movie that cost a billion dollars to make, and all the actors want to get paid and they get annoyed when people are sharing it without paying for it and that's yeah. kind of that that's really the issue is that's yeah. when when intellectual uh, property or intellectual copyright starts to turn into theft but yeah there's there's definitely an annoying <laughs> aspect to it um what's his name Aaron Schwartz and a few others uh, put together the uh all the, all, I, I, I don't know all the names for all the... There's like all the different levels of copyright where you can say, okay, this is copywritten except that you can use it with permission as long as, you know, this and that. Or, you know, this is copywritten except you can use parts of it w- without permission, you know, and yeah. and so there's like rings of intellectual copyright now. Yeah,
2: and then patents, a whole different deal.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah.
2: Yeah, you, well, you know, it's, it's an interesting idea that, uh, about ideas and sort of learning and how, how do ideas actually get transferred and how, how do ideas come up? There was a study yeah. uh, and I'll have to, I'll have to email it to you, Edward for, um, you know, for the, you know, when you post this, mm-hmm. but, there, but they, um, there was a study done where they, they basically taught monkeys how to, uh, on one Island. Uh, and I think it was in the Caribbean. I could be wrong. It could be more, the more in the Pacific. Uh, they taught this group of monkeys on this one Island um, that like a particular method of using a tool, which they then kind of picked up and and, and used because it made sort of eating this particular fruit way more efficient. Um, and then interestingly enough, 50 miles away where obviously a monkey can't sort of teleport as far as we know, um, they noticed that very quickly the monkeys on that other Island started using that tool where they had. To yeah. So oh. it does bear an interesting question of, you know, how do ideas kind of, like, come forth, and and, um, you know, I, I mean, it would have been really interesting to, to kind of under, like, know, like, wh- who was the first monkey on that island to sort of, like, come up with that, and how did that idea get transferred? How, you know, how yeah. um, ener- energetically does that work, if if such a thing exists? The yeah. 100th monkey effect.
1: I yeah, exactly,
3: yeah. right I mean, uh, that sort of makes me think of, you know, the the magical theory or whatever of, you know, as soon as, you know, if there's enough thought vibration out there and you're, you know, you're affecting the manifestation and you can make it manifest. So the more monkeys are, you know, vibrating about that thing, the other ones are just going to pick it up from the ether or whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. Like people starting to realize, you know, hear about that maybe ice in your water every time isn't the healthiest way and so you know occasionally you start to hear people say yeah i'll have a water no ice and then eventually you start to hear a lot of people say that until you're like hmm maybe i should try it without ice you know that kind of thing
1: i think Mm -hmm. you could say the same thing about you know even even broader things like you might not have candida, but you're just going to go for the gluten-free thing because it's healthier. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Nice. Well, let's <laughs> see. Uh, before we wind down, is there anything you want to mention uh, while while you have a,
1: a captive audience? Wow. <laughs> I didn't prepare a statement. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or wow. any, plug know, away. Yeah, plug box. away.
1: Plug away. Flags. Give any wow. books,
0: movies, performances yeah, – yeah. How, how do people – oh, first I wanted to give a little plug to 99% Invisible. Um, if you haven't heard it, Adam, I definitely recommend it. Um, the guy's is uh, a specialist in design. Every episode is about design in different aspects. And uh, it, to, to start, if you, haven't, if you haven't heard of him, um, there's a TED Talk where it's – you can see him and, and it's the only one that's visual. All of the – his whole podcast is just audio. Yeah. Uh, but there's a TED Talk. Uh, it's on city flags which sounds incredibly boring but it's actually really good um, and his name's Roman Mars okay it's an interesting name and uh, 99% invisible but yeah uh, any plugs Any? Uh, you have a design page right you have your artistic
1: stuff that's right I, yeah I'm like now that I now think, that about, I think about, like good. three things I can pull <laughs> <laughs> um, one of which is if you like <laughs> if, you, if you like um, yeah if you like this sort of Unique, spontaneous, nightly poetry thing, or you want to hear Huffies, please, um, yeah, please find that or find me. And
0: you have that. it set to friends only. Is there any way I could I'm talk going you into to, Yeah, oh.
1: I'm going to change that. I'll oh, change good. That setting. On I the past have... ones as well? Yeah, I'll realize that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, then I'll be able to share it. Yeah. Um, the second thing is if, if, yeah, there's a visual archive, um, on my Instagram feed, um, for any inspiration i've used images for album art commissions and i'm also interested in book design um so that's there a few so my instagram is it's called illuminatum nice so um and then again from just just to cover the the des- <laughs> other aspects of design um that uh yeah i am you know uh, as a UX designer, it's a pretty nascent career right now, and I'm interested in talking to anyone who's interested in moving projects forward or um, maybe consulting on something, things like that. Really, I mean,
2: not so selfless plugs, but um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, well, yeah, I would like to plug uh, Yahoo GeoCities, who is our corporate sponsor. <laughs>
3: yeah
0: and toyota of course (laughs) building the dyson sphere one uh one robot at a time yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's fun and that thanks for the invite
0: absolutely and uh and (laughs) i'm 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 gonna keep an eye out for venues where i could try to hit you up to do a a tea ceremony too oh yeah
1: that's another thing is i have a tea page on instagram as well it's called echo Park Tea. so if you find that cool um yeah, I'll, I pour tea at Echo Park Lake, which is across the street from us. And
0: um... yeah, I'm gonna—I'll include—I'll—but I'll, I'll take the image of you reciting Hafiz and the image of you pouring tea and met, and and blend them together nicely. Cool, <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Nerd podcast today. Thanks, everyone. Yes, thank you
2: for Bye.
3: having me on <laughs> to co-host it.
0: Thank you so much for being our spontaneous co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Right. And uh, so I'll I'll have this episode probably in the next up uh, in the next uh, couple days and I'll tag you and and uh, should be good. Great. Good night.
1: Bye. Or, bye-bye.
0: <laughs> Thank you Adam for being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast tonight. Thank you Matt Mortar for being our spontaneous co-host. Thank you, Joe Chance, for being our regular co-host. Thank you, Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music at the beginning of every Esoteric Nerd episode and the music you're hearing right now. Thank you to Madonna. Thank you to Bjork. Thank you to George Carlin. And thank you to Patton Oswald. To Camille and Kennerly, identical twins who play... The Harp for the intro and outro to the interviews themselves. Thank you to Mick Smiley for the track, I Believe It's Magic, from the original Ghostbusters. And thank you to you, the Esoterra nerd listening to this podcast. We'll close
1: with Adam Yasmin reciting More Inheritance. Love creates a synchronicity with what love loves. Why wouldn't it do that, knowing harmony's vital role? The calm heart's reach is vast and lasting. Bring yourself, again, into the presence of someone who knows God, for more inheritance is there for you. Hold hands with the Buddha if a living saint's warmth has been forgotten, like a special day when you can naturally feel uplifted by something in the air, life should be a truth we always carry. See you tomorrow.